you a second time, I pray that you feel like family here. Um, that's, I'm looking at faces here. I see family. I see friends. And um, it's, this is just like home. So, you know, I'm just going to, you know, preach my heart out, say what God has uh, been implanting in my heart. And um, thank you guys for just being here and being a part. Man, who's excited here today? I don't know. <laughs> just trying to get all the kids out first before we start getting into it, right? So, we're in this series called Instant. And um, if you've been following us online or on the podcast, the first week we actually talked about being weary in the waiting. And we coined the phrase, keep the sheep. Yeah. Last week, we had Evan come, and he, he brought the word, and he talked about the power of your circles and friends and those that are around you and surrounding you. Are they encouraging you? Are they bringing you up, or are they putting you down? But today, I want to talk to you about a little something different. I want to talk to you about finding vision in the valley. Okay? Yeah, that's good. Come on. If you guys got a notepad, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm a big note taker. We here at V1, yeah. I, I've learned really quickly that you guys love to take notes, so that's why I say, well, I got like about 50 slides, so that's okay. So we're gonna. <laughs> all, so if you have a Bible, I'm a little old school, so I do have um, a physical Bible. But if you have a Bible on your phone, you have a Bible on your laptop, whatever the case is, we don't judge here. But um, encourage you to just open up your Word. So we're talking about valleys here today. The valley is an investment in your life. The valley is a place that you will return to, but you will also learn from. And we're going to parallel two biblical figures here. We're going to talk about David, who returned to the valley, at least recorded three times in Scripture. And the valley determined how he ruled on the mountaintop. Then, secondly, we're going to go into Christ. And we're going to talk about the temptation that he faced on the mountaintop that demonstrated hum his humanness to process successful outcome. So we want to have this mentality. We dubbed the series Instant because we want to have this mentality now. Right? Instantaneous. I want it now. I need it now. So what do we do? We take pills because we want it now. On, we want crash diets yeah. because on, we want it now. Okay. I know some of you are working on that 2019 summer body. That's okay. I'm with you on that one. We like social media because it's an instant feedback. We like pornography because it's instant. When a prayer isn't answered, how about us responding differently? How about saying, thank you, God, for saving me from an idea that wasn't yours in the first place? I want you to repeat this phrase with me. Start queuing up the slides. Repeat this phrase for me. There is vision in the valley. Come on. Oh, you gotta say it a little bit louder now. You gotta convince me. There is vision in the valley. Turn to your person to the left and right of you and tell them there's vision in the valley. Alright. So what we're going to do today is this. We're going to examine today that you can't have full-time vision with part-time commitment. That one was free. Here's a question for you. Why in life does it seem like we're going back into these low places, right? We're going back into these valleys over and over again. It's just this vicious cycle. Why does it seem impossible to get to the mountaintop? Why is my life so hard? Why are things not going accordingly to plan? 
I want you to say this scripture with me. This is Psalms 23. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalms 23. Psalms 23 is probably one of the most memorized psalms. And it was one of the psalms that my mother would actually recite to me when I was younger. I'm still young. But she would recite this to me over and over again. And it just became a habit. And I just learned on it and I meditated on it. So this is in the King James Version, but this is a version that most of us understand. So Psalms 23, verse 4. David's writing a psalm, and he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. I want to tell you a quick story. My wife and I, a couple years ago, we actually celebrated our one of our wedding anniversaries, and we decided to visit a five-star restaurant. Now, don't get it twisted. Listen, we don't got, we don't got money like that. Now, we're all the time going to five-star restaurants, but we're big foodies, so we like the Food Network channel, so we saw this world-renowned chef, and we said, you know what? He has a restaurant in the city. We're going to go there right now. We're going to splurge a little bit, baby. We're going to go. That's all right. I ended up calling the place, and the place told me, well, you got to wait two months in advance. I said, two months in advance? That's a long time. I could just, you know, go down the block to my, you know, local eatery. But no, I said, you know what? We're going to wait. This is a special occasion, and I love you. So we're going to wait. So we waited two months. When we finally got there, uh, let me tell you something. The maitre d's, the, wait the waiters and waitresses dressed clean. We were served in silver platters, <laughs> literally silver platters. Um, the food, seven-course meal, perfectly timed, coming out. I mean, we left that place on a, on a, on a high note. <laughs> Next day, we end up going, I think, to like the diner, and uh, we were so disappointed. It looked like the food was chewed up, the dog ate it and spit it out. It looked like the waitress just rolled up out of bed and just decided to come work. <laughs> and it was just hazardous, right? So I want to give you some wisdom key here today, that the longer you wait for something, the more you're going to appreciate it. That's right. That's good. Because anything worth having is definitely worth waiting for. Yeah, so I wanted to find to you what is a valley. Mm. Now, in modern-day Israel, the valley is a literal valley. You, there was trees, and it was considered a hazardous location. Yeah. But the valley could also be figurative in the Bible. The valley is something that you're going through emotionally. You're going through physically, and you're going through spiritually, as we're going to see. Mm. So here's my question. Have you ever been in a valley? A valley can be defined as a low point in your life. It could be a place of uncertainty, a place of transition where your emotions are running high. A valley can be a place of silence, a place of loneliness, a place of isolation. Maybe you're being misunderstood. That's your valley here today. A place of rejection and a place of accusation. But I have another question for you. Have you ever been on the mountaintop? A mountaintop can be defined as a high point in your life. It could be a place of certainty, a place of comfortability, a place of being emotionally health, uh, healthy, a place of togetherness and companionship, a place of understanding, a place of acknowledgement, a place of innocence. If you look behind me, you're going to see an image up. This is what's called the Mount of Temptation. This is a place in Jericho that is supposedly the place where Jesus was tempted. So just 
take a look at this image really quick. And I just want you to ponder on, on some things there. Because if you've answered yes to either of, this quest, of these questions, if you're in a valley or if you're in a mountaintop, then this message is for you. Especially during this time, during the first Sunday in Lent, this Lentil season where we celebrate um, uh, uh, when, when the Israelites went through the wilderness and they were wondering when they expressed that they were freed Hebrew slaves and now going to exile. Now we enter the temptation of Jesus. God has always called out people out of their safe walled cities into uncomfortable places. Maybe your valley is uncomfortable right now. Maybe you're going through that. But look, in order to get to the mountaintop, you have to go through the valley. Oh, come on. I don't know if some of y'all didn't hear that. I'm going to let that sink in. In order for you to get to the mountaintop, you have to go through the valley. So I want us to dive into the text today. Because what we're going to do is we're going to parallel the life of David in his valley experience with the temptation of Christ. And we're going to see how we can have victory in the valley. Amen? So if you can turn with me to Luke chapter 4. If you don't have it, don't worry. The scriptures are going to be up there. So I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. And Jesus, this is Luke's rendition of the temptation of Christ. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now we read before in Psalms 23:4 that David wrote this first first word, this first passage. He says, yea, though I walk through. You see, David is surrounded in Bethlehem, uh, and the psalm suggests that he was uh, a pastoring sheep at that time. So there were steep cliffs, there were deep crevices, and there were caverns, and he was being followed by Saul. Saul was trying to kill him. So David would actually sneak into this cavern and he would take refuge in it and in those caverns there were water and there were resources and there were physical things that he actually needed now Luke is recording from the baptism of Jesus that happened a couple of chapters before to the genealogy to now to the temptation which is the last event before his public ministry Jesus had to wait 30 years instant Jesus had to wait 30 years, I want that word to sink in, instant, before his public ministry, before he launched into something. That's good. So Luke is writing this, and what happens? The Holy Spirit does what? It leads him right into the valley. Some of you are being led to the valley, and you're struggling, and you don't want to go. But let me tell you something. Sometimes God is just redirecting your path because he's saying, you have to go through this. You have to go through this. If you abide in me and your word abides in me, then I will give you the strength to go through it. But Jesus is not acting alone. He's full of what? The Holy Spirit, which reminds me of this, that God won't take you where he won't sustain you. And one of my things is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I love this verse. It says, no temptation has done what? Overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. Amen? Amen. And he will not allow you to be tempted 
beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You see, Jesus was at the point of physical hunger. He just fasted for 40 days. And you know what? I'm embellishing a little bit on that word, but it really means to the point of death. Jesus was hangry. Yes. How many of you have ever been angry before? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm a big foodie. Uh, me being from Latin descent, I have to have my, uh, my arroz con habichuelas and I gotta have my Spanish food. Yes. I, I don't know, but uh, w one day fast for me. I sorry, Lord, I can't do more. But 40 days. And what does the enemy do at the opportune time? Hear these stones. Turn this into bread because I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. And this physical temptation that's being accompanied by Jesus, bread was a representation of a social bond, like breaking bread together. Yeah. In our culture, in Hispanic culture, we have something called banco mantequilla. I don't know if you know that, but basically what that just means, layman's terms, it means bread with butter. That's all it is. But what we did with it is we would dunk it into every element that we found. Coffee, soda, yeah. milk, whatever it was. But that was, that was my jam. That was, that was what I went to. That's how I broke bread with my family, you know? That, that, that satisfied my physical hunger. So Satan here is offering Jesus a cheat meal and to secure his own ends. But I want to tell you this. Our dependence on the natural should not outweigh our reliance on the supernatural. Oh, if you're taking notes, that's a good one right there. Our dependence on the natural should not outweigh our reliance on the supernatural. You see, David physically walked through the valley. He was hiding from harm. He understood the necessity of water and resources. Yet some of us are not even on God's pace. We're running when we should be walking. Some of us are walking when we should be running. Now, in New York City, it's funny because each of us have our own walk in New York City. I don't know how they do it in Michigan. But I know in New York City, some of us, we walk with a limp. Right? Some of us have the diddy bop. I don't know how to do that, so don't even tell, don't even tell me how to do that. Some of us, we walk with our heads down low. Right? Maybe showing insecurity. If it's 2 in the morning and you're walking down a Brooklyn street and there's four uh, people with hoods on their face, what you're going to do? You're going to walk right through them? No. You're going to cross the street. You got wisdom. I know what's going on. I know what they're up to. I know what they're walking. We all have a different swag. We all have a different walk. So now look, Jesus makes his rebuttal statement. Luke chapter 4, 4. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is now replying with a passage in Deuteronomy 8.3. And later on, we're going to see John writes this in John 4.34. This is not in your notes, but you can take it down, write the scripture. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Some of us were searching for this physical food. Yeah. I don't know what your physical food is today. Yeah. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you're searching because you want a high-paying job. Maybe it's a physical thing, a physical thing, maybe like a relationship, and you're looking for it in all the wrong places. I want to tell you here today, church, stop, stop searching for the bread of liquidity when you have the availability for the bread of life. Stop searching for the bread of liquidity. Liquidity is a term, a financial term, it's a conversion mentality. 
is to change you, change something from, from, from one thing to another. So are we doing that in our physical state? Are we trying to call things that are not supposed to be yeah. in the physical? Following that, Psalms 23, verse 4, we see that David is now walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Saul's army is literally right at his tails, and he must have felt like dying at that moment to have somebody. You ever been chased by somebody, right? I don't know about you, but in Brooklyn, we get chased all the time. And I remember getting chased and hiding in these places and praying, don't beat me up. Now I'm a little bigger now, so it's okay. <laughs> so we fast forward now, we see Jesus, that this temptation now, this second temptation, is, is an attack on the spiritual realm. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Say that with me, moment of time. Moment of time. And said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Another translation reads this. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. Instant. In an instant. Isn't that what our series is talking about? Yeah. Right? We want things in an instant. In a New York minute. We want it now. If we can have it now, then I don't want it later. So I want us to hone in on that word here today for a moment because this is the only time in the entire New Testament that this Greek word is used. So we're going to learn a little Greek today. I'm sorry <laughs> for those that are not Greek. We're just going to learn a little Greek so you guys could be scholars and go back to your pastors and say, hey, listen, we learned some Greek today at church. <laughs> yeah. So the Greek word here that's being used for instant it's called stigma. Stay with me. Stigma. Stigma. All right. Turn to the person and say, I'm going to stigma you. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> this which means, it means a point of time. It means a moment, a flash. Its root words come from the English word stigma, which means a mark that is punched for recognition of ownership. So what did the enemy try to do? He tried to declare ownership over Jesus. If you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Worship me, taking ownership. How many of you love uh, instant food? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, okay, I got one person in the back. That's all right. If you look at instant food and the back of it, everything is processed. Everything is quick. Everything is fast. Everything is instantaneous. But when a food is cooked properly, man, let me tell you, I can recall some of my grandma's cooking. As a, as a little boy. And I remember when she would just kind of go, and she would be there for like hours, just cooking in a big, big bowl and just stirring, and her arms were big and diesel. And I'm like, how do you get those arms like that? You just, you got those, those, those Latin women know how to stir that rice. So, so um, I would sneak, and I would just, just kind of like dip my finger in there and try to sneak away, and then she'll come with a spoon and try to hit me. But Grandma, I'm hungry over here, I'm hungry. It took time, but then when that meal was served, it was so good. It felt like the best meal ever. Jesus here is promised an instant transfer of the devil's usurped authority. He didn't have this authority to give to Jesus anyway because Jesus was already the Lord of time. Yeah. Our worlds look different. 
our spiritual battles may look different. You'll notice here that Satan, he skips over adultery, fornication, lying, murder. Right? These are obvious. But what does Satan try to do? He knows that Jesus is no fall guy, that he's committed to the cross. So he sticks to religion and he used the Bible as his textbook. If you're struggling in your spirituality here today, I want to give you some vision in the valley. John chapter 5 verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God, say born of God. Born of God. Overcomes the world. Look at that. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Jesus again stakes his claim again, Luke 4, 8. And he answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus again is quoting Deuteronomy 6, 13. He knows that this is a form of idolatry. He just got baptized, and where you see that, that Trinitarian aspect of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he knows that this is a form of idolatry. What does not agree with scripture does not come from God. Just as David used weapons in battle, Jesus used the word of God. So here's what I want to drive home today. Carnal weapons bring carnal results. Spiritual weapons bring spiritual victories. Are you going to a spiritual battle here today? David now continues in this pearl of the poetic psalm in Psalms 23, 4, where he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, David now, he's, he's conquered the land, he, he's conquered the capital, and in that capital, there's a valley there that's called the Kindred Valley. And even to this day, it's like a graveyard there. The fact of its, its use is really born out of David's son, Absalom. And you can look at the scripture behind me. Absalom had a great fear that he built a memorial, a pillar, because he thought that nobody would remember him. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the Kingsdale, the Kindred Valley. For he said, I have no son to keep in my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's place. He had a fear that he would not be remembered. He, was, he had such emotional baggage that was just tied into him because he didn't know who loved him enough. Our emotional health is linked to our spiritual maturity. Leading out of our brokenness and weakness becomes the core value in our valley experiences. When we lead out of weakness and brokenness, there's just something in that that God takes over. And there is begins no fear. You're looking at a broken man here. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. Once you begin to lead out of that... You allow God to take precedence over every aspect of your life, every decision that you're going to make. So you don't have to make a spiritual hiccup or, or, or a physical problem or an emotional problem. This is exactly how Satan tries to tempt Jesus, we're going to see now. He tries to mess with Jesus' emotions. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Commit suicide, Jesus. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You see, Jesus now is taken to the locus of God's presence. He's taken to the hub of God's presence. 
and he's asked to perform this spectacle, this miracle in front of all to see. Notice that now the enemy changes his tactics. He uses God's own voice now. He says, for it is written. Sometimes we're hearing voices that are not of God, that we should be relying on the Spirit's voice. Sometimes people are telling us things that say, oh yeah, go ahead, go do that. Oh, go make that decision. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Too many voices. Too many voices. When we should be just in silence and in solitude and asking God, God, I want to hear and be instructed by your word. I want to be instructed by who you are and your presence. The pinnacle of the temple gives the location of the greatest visibility. It's interesting because he uses the word son of God. It's 26 times it's recorded in the gospel, the son of God. He knew his deity. He knew who Jesus was. But Jesus, was he already loved? Was he hated? I want to present you to this, that to be loved but not known is comforting but is superficial. To be known and not loved is one of our greatest fears. And I want you to write this down. If you don't listen to anything else in this message, I want you to write this down. Even my son is taking notes, so I'm telling you right now. That's a strong point I'm making, so I better be good. The pursuit of attraction leads to the absence of obedience. Okay. Come on, church. The pursuit of attraction leads to the absence of obedience. When you're trying to search for that love in all the wrong places and you're trying to fill that empty void inside of you, you're trying to find a husband or you're trying to find a boo or you're trying to find someone that's going to fill that void, no one is going to be able to fill that void except the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of you. And in that absence, of obedience. We're talking about commitment here, full-time commitment, yeah. not part-time. That's right. We can't get it in an instant. It's a process. All this is a process. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience. Jesus went through the process. Even he, as he was the son of God, 26 times according to the gospel, he still went through the process. He still learned obedience. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Your valley is only a temporary stepping stone into a per- permanent mountaintop reality. It's only temporary. Some of us, we've been in certain specific physical, emotional, and spiritual valleys for so long, we don't know how to get out of it no more. But I'm telling you that there is a way of escape because he understands, he sympathizes with us. We're going to see that later on in Hebrews. That he sympathizes, he understands your affirmance, he understands what you're going through. Maybe it could be something physical. He understands it. So this is what the valley teaches us. The valley teaches us how to praise God before the victory. The valley teaches us how to see faith and not fear. The valley teaches us how to develop character to sustain success. It teaches us the gravity of your dream and the worth of your purpose. Luke chapter 4 verse 12 says this, And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, 
he departed from him until an opportune time. I like what one of this uh, Protestant reformers said. He said, I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can prevent them from building a nest in my hair. Wow. Okay. That's good. That's good. The temptation is going to come. Yeah. It's a guarantee. But are we allowing those things to build and weigh us down on top of our heads to the soles of our feet? Are we allowing those circumstances to dictate our, our, our outcome? No. Hebrews 4, 15, 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in this time of need. In your process, there is help. In closing, in Psalms 23, Psalms 23 was, is likely a prophetic, messianic psalm. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it is said that at that moment, he actually prayed the psalm. It's even tradition now that Jews actually pray this psalm. But I want to tell you something here today, church, that if God is taking you through the wilderness, if God is taking you through the valley, if God is making you go through the process, you are not alone. We are a family here. We sympathize. We understand what you're going through. But there is no temptation that is common to man that shall overtake you. With every valley comes the view of the mountaintop. Yes. That should be so encouraging. With every valley comes the view of the mountaintop. The process may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be emotional, but we have a great shepherd. You don't have to turn to it, but I'm just going to go through the verses in Psalms 23. It says this, that he makes, he is the good and the great shepherd. That's his title, that's his character. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives me the provisional care over my finances. He gives me the provisional care over my family. He strengthens my faith. He leads me besides rough waters? No. Still waters. Solitude. Peacefulness. As the Prince of Peace, I'm going to go through it knowing that I have a restoration inside my heart that cannot be moved. He restores my soul. He returns me to the place of original design. And what the enemy has tried to steal that back in the first Adam, God is restoring even here today. Believe it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. I like what C.S. Lewis quotes here. He says, we don't like to be or associate with people who are clean from a sense of duty. We want to be around those who like being clean. You see, obligation, obligation says I have to. Obedience says I want to. Yes. Obligation says I have to do it. It's in the guidelines. It's in the instructions. I got to do it. So I'm just doing it like a robot. I'm just going through the motion. Obedience says I'm doing it as an act of love. I'm doing it because I love you, God, so much. I'm doing it because I honor you. I worship you. You 
anything that would disrupt the sheep. So he's preparing this for you, before your enemies. Even before, you don't even know you're going through it. God is already, he already knows. He is all-knowing, all-knowledgeable. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. He's giving you the spiritual ability to overcome. Goodness and mercy will follow you in every area of your life. What a promise. I want to leave you with this critical question here today. How is success spelled? Success is spelled P-R-O-C-E-S-S. It's a process, people. It's a process. I don't know where you are here today. I don't know what you're going through. You're looking at a man that's been broken, that's been through the trial of fire, back and forth in every area. And I'm alive because of this word right here. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Not because of my abilities, not because of my great eloquent speaking, not because I'm a funny guy. That has nothing to do with that. It's because when God looks at you, he looks at the intentions of a heart. When God looks at you, he doesn't see just any 6'1", tall, dark, and handsome. He looks at Annie and says, that is my servant in whom I am well pleased. That's what he's looking at you here today. If you guys can just stand to your feet here today, I want to offer you. offer like a discount or something you get at the store for us. Some of you, you've come here today and this is all new to you. Maybe this is all new. Maybe for the first time you're saying, wow, you know, you, you, you're showing this with passion, but I don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you come from a different religion. <laughs> I've been there and you have questions. This book has answers. So I want to tell you here something today. With, with every head bowed and every eye closed, affording just peace to everyone, what God wants to do into you right now, he wants to pour his life into you. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. When you confess it with your mouth, it's more than just saying it's a signed declaration. It's more than saying it's my obligation now that I verbally said it. It's going to be an obedience thing. It's going to be a commitment thing. There's vision in the valley. You're going to see your way through out of your physical needs. You're going to see your way through out of your spiritual needs. Maybe, maybe some of you have been craving more of God spiritually, desiring the spiritual gifts. God wants to pour that into you. The Spirit of God is already full inside of you, as it was in Jesus when he was led into the, the, the mountaintop. Some of you are going through emotional struggles and emotional baggage. Jesus is the answer here today. 
We're not promoting a false gospel here. We're not promoting a gospel that wants to take, take, and take. This is a gospel, if you read it, it's all about giving. It's all about serving. It's all about, it's all about surrendering your life to him. So if every eye is closed. If you want that opportunity here today to say, you know what, Eddie? I want more of God. I've never experienced him like that before. And I want to know him in such a personal and deep and enriching way. If that's you here today, just raise your hand up to the sky and say, God, that's me here. I want more of you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hands are risen all over this place. God sees each and one of your hands. Amen. You can put your hands down. I want to make this next call because there's some of those that maybe you've known God, but you've been stuck in the valley for so long, you don't know how to get out of it. There's vision in that valley. You're going to see your way through it, but you're going to have to go through the process. The process is going to hurt. I'm not going to lie. The process is not going to feel good sometimes. The process is going to weigh you down, but there's promise in this process. There's hope in this process. Some of you, you've been believing for miracles in your life financially. God wants to provide for you. Some of you, you come here with, you know, an expectation. Saying, God, I want more of you, but I just don't know how to go about it. This word gives you the directive. This word gives you the instruction to how to follow it. You have pastors here that are willing to help you and leaders here that are willing to guide you. But ultimately, it is this book that we live by and breathe by. We live and we move and we have our being in this book. So if that's you here, you want just more of God. You want a sense of that there's something emotionally you're struggling with. Maybe maybe you're in the process of marriage. Maybe, maybe you're in the process of pregnancy and you're feeling lonely. You're feeling the fear is gripping you. The Bible says the fear is the beginning of wisdom. When you fear God and you reverence him and you say, God, I'm not going to fear the circumstance anymore. I'm going to acknowledge you. Because if I lean to you, you will direct my path. That's right. If that's you here today, just raise your hands. Say, God, that's me. I want more of your Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. I want to just close in prayer. Father, I thank you here today. God, you are so amazing. Lord, we thank you for the process. We thank you for our valley experiences. We thank you, Lord, that we can go through this. That we have a Savior that understands, that sympathizes, that was tempted in every way, yet knew no sin but in that there is a way of escape thank you for defending us thank you for defending us as the great shepherd that watches over his flock you'll leave for the 99 to go after that one there's one here today Lord that wants more of you there's one here today that is yearning for a deeper relationship with you Place. 
word that gives us instruction. And thank you for the process. Thank you for seeing us through it. And as we go through the valley, we thank you, God, that the visual of the mountaintop is right there. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for your people here today and for your promises that are yes and amen. And everybody said, amen.